Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3, where the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, I want to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 uh, as our focus. Specifically, the phrase, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. Today, I want to preach on leave it all in the field, thinking you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, notably, I'm not a good sports buddy. Uh, I'm the one that's shouting touchdown when someone gets a three-pointer in a basketball game. Amen. <laughs> and so keep, in keeping with my tendencies to mix the sports lingo, I'm using what I think is a common phrase in football for a sermon about the race. Amen. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to preach on uh, how to leave it all on the field. Amen. This, this idiom from professional sports refers to uh, exhausting all possible efforts to win, either individually or as a team. Figuratively, this refers to leaving one's sweat, blood, and tears on the playing field. This represents being sincere in one's effort to achieve victory, but does not refer to cheating or other morally questionable methods. It refers simply to hard work and exertion to the end that you win the game. And so in football, there is uh, no shame in being, for example, there's no shame in being defeated, they say, as long as you, quote, leave it all on the field, end quote. I want you to think about something. Regardless of your successes or failures in life, are you giving it all for God? I mean, really, are you giving it all to God? Hey, can you honestly say that you, there's nothing that you left on the field, that you, you put 110% into your walk with God and God's purpose for your life? I, I want you to think about this for a minute. You can put 110% in, and sometimes it looks like you're still losing. Sometimes it looks like it's not paying off. But what God is looking for are people who will do what God has called them to do, irregardless of whether you see the benefit or feel the pain. Amen. And trust that God is keeping the score. When we do the work of the Lord, only God can keep the score. And He does not give us a scoreboard to look at. He gives us Jesus to look at. Somebody say amen right there. He gives us the book to look at. 
And that is how you gauge whether or not you are being quote-unquote successful is whether or not you are doing it by the book, not whether or not it's producing your personal desired results. And so I want to preach on how to leave it all behind. But I want, I mean, how to leave it all on the field. I want you to think about what Paul the Apostle said. And and I'll quote it for you. He said uh, that we are to run that we may obtain. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Run that you may obtain. In other words, uh, get involved as if you are going to be successful. Even if right now in the moment there is not a winning score yet. Amen. Uh, Many of you who watch sports know that there are times that if a team who is losing and losing badly is not careful, they will give up before the game is over. And they will quit putting their best in before the game is over. And a lot of times what the devil does is he uses discouragement in mind in your life and causes us to think that what we're doing for God is not really making a difference. And, and, and we've got to be mentally tough. We've got to be able to endure hardness. We've got to be able to understand that if the Bible has instructed me to do it, regardless of whether or not I am reaping a harvest, I have got to trust that God's Word will in fact perform what He sent it to perform, regardless of whether or not I personally see it with my own eyes. And that's why a lot of times we do things in ministry that, uh, that, that often can be discouraging if we measure it by the kind of responses that we either get or don't get from people. Uh, uh, it's, it's especially discouraging when you have a radio ministry on three radio stations every week and you don't get a single phone call or a single email or a single text for somebody saying, I heard your message and I appreciate it, what, what you're doing. It's discouraging if you base it on the kind of response you get from men. But it's encouraging when you realize that God uh, opened the door, God told you to walk through it, God financed it, and God is the one doing the ministry, and you're trusting that God knows what He is doing. Too many people quit before the finish line because they're measuring success upon what they can see visually, not understanding that this whole journey I'm talking about from start to finish is a faith journey. God may never let you have the gratification of knowing whether or not someone was benefited from your ministry. You need to know that if God called you to it, that it's not foolish, that there is a purpose behind it, And we will understand it better by and by. Amen, church. And so I want to encourage you today in your walk with God that whatever God has put you into in terms of ministry, that you just be faithful to what God has called you to do. Amen. I know sometimes as a church it gets discouraging. We put forth great effort in planning events sometimes. And sometimes we have uh, the desired attendance we want and sometimes we don't. And if the devil were to have his way, everybody would be so discouraged that they would say, well, nobody else is coming. I don't know why I should even come. And he'll talk you into laying out because you think it doesn't really make any difference whether or not I come to church anyway. I I don't see the big deal. And the devil will talk you right out of one of the biggest blessings of your life. Amen. I'm talking about leaving it all on the field. Amen. I want to give you quickly three things. Number one, you need to know... uh, if uh, you need to know your why 
You need to know why we're in this thing. Look at our text again in verse 1. It said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I know that this is right behind what we call the great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And many times it is interpreted that in light of the fact that we have such a great legacy of faith to continue on, and they refer to the cloud of witnesses as those great heroes of faith in chapter 11 that were mentioned. A lot of times we interpret it in that way, but I, I don't really think that that is what it's saying. I, I, it, says, uh, it says, look at the text again, uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about. It's saying that we have something that the heroes of faith had as well. They were compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. And we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. What he's talking about is simply this. There are people watching. There are people in this earth paying attention to your life. And we don't need to do what we do for God because somebody in heaven's watching and they're keeping score and I'd hate to disappoint them. It's bigger than that. You're trying to influence souls of men to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ in your immediate sphere of influence. The cloud of witnesses that you need to worry about are not the ones that are already in heaven, but the ones that desperately need to figure out the way to get there. Can I get another amen? And so God help us uh, to leave it all on the field. I mean, I'm talking about in the here and the now, to focus on what it is that God would have us to do because eternity is forever and we don't have long till we're there. But while we're here, we need to make the difference that God has sent us to make to reach the ones that most desperately need to hear the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you need to know your why. Why do we do this? Because people are watching. People need the Lord. People need to hear and know that there is a gospel that can deliver them out of all their bondages, all of their fears, uh, that will give them peace and understanding, that will give them satisfaction in life. This world needs desperately to know uh, that the only answer for this world is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is the cloud of witnesses that we are called to represent Jesus Christ to. Some actually are looking for inspiration. Your children, your grandchildren, those uh, that you love dearest, uh, uh, most desperately are looking for any kind of inspiration, any godly example, someone that will show them what it looks like and what it means to be sold out to Jesus, to live for God. And I'm telling you, mamas and daddies, uh, be very careful what you say, what you do, and where you go because you have a great cloud of witnesses paying attention to every single thing you say and do. Uh, and they will become replicas of what they hear and see. And if you're not careful, you'll pr produce a cheap carbon copy of your old sinful self because you're not being careful about behaving like you're supposed to behave around those that are paying attention to you. Amen. Amen. God, help us today to leave it all on the field when it comes to serving God. Don't leave any stone unturned. How many, how many analogies can I use this morning? Hold that question until after church, please. Thank you.
I'll be glad to answer it after church. Focus on the people around you. Think about them. But somebody might say, well, Brother Gary, I live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing, and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Well, you go right on ahead then and live your stubborn, hard-headed life, and you'll be miserable and lonely on your deathbed, and you'll still have to face God and regret the day that you didn't soften your heart, humble yourself, and get right with God. Amen. I mean, you can go your own way if you want to. You can choose your course of action, but you certainly cannot choose your consequences. Because the Bible says, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you would be a fool to think that you'd be the first to come along and sow wild oats and never reap the same. So you'd be better, better be careful. People are watching. People are listening. People are hearing. Amen? Daddy, if you have a, a problem with pornography and your children know about that, or if they find out about that, how devastating might that be to, be to them? You need to get victory for their sake. Amen. You, if you got a, a trouble, if you got problems with alcohol or addictions of any kind, you need to get victory for their sake. I remember when I was eight years old, asking my daddy, "When could I start drinking?" I was ready. You see how early it starts. They watch you. They watch your every move, and you cannot say, "Do as I say, not as I do." That's heresy. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a line of the devil. They're watching you. And you preach more by what you do than by what you say. Because people don't believe what's coming off your lips till they see it in action. Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Am I being real this morning? So you've got to know your why. I've got five sons looking up to me. God help me not to fail them. God help me to set a goodly and a godly example for my wife and my children because I pray one day the only chance of them ever becoming what God wants them to be from my perspective as a father is if I personally do not become a stumbling block to them. It would, be, it would serve a great hindrance to them for me to preach one thing and live another. And our churches are full of people that preach one thing and live a, something completely different. And then they wonder why uh, over 70% of children raised in evangelical homes abandon their faith by their freshman year of college. It's because somebody didn't leave it all on the field. Somebody didn't die to self and say, you know what, what's more important than my own agenda and my own preferences and my own ideology is that Jesus Christ be lifted up and glorified and all men drawn to him. And God help us to learn how to pay the sacrifices that it takes to live a godly life in front of those watching us. Amen. To God be the glory. We got to know our why. Amen. People. Are watching us, but I gotta hurry. Secondly, I want to say this: you gotta know your weaknesses. You gotta know your weaknesses. It's in the text. It said, uh, "Let us lay aside every weight and sin, weights and sins." This indicates that they're not always the same. Sin is a great weight. But the Bible is teaching us even that there are some things that you can get involved with 
that in and of themselves are not sin, but they become a weight to what it is that you need to be doing for God. For example, it is a great thing for a man to be a family man, to love his family, and to spend time with his family. But I'm seeing a growing trend in our churches today where godly men, no doubt, at first maybe... uh, I don't question their and I don't question their uh, their heart so much as maybe the way they're being misled. I think sometimes people end up uh, maybe good people in a bad situation. But what they ha- what happens is this: they say I'm going to have to spend some time with my family, and Sunday's the only day I got. And what do they do? They don't go to church; they go to the lake. In and of itself, going to the lake is not a bad thing. But when it becomes more important than being obedient to the Scripture, it becomes a sin. You see how weights can become sin? And a lot of times we get our priorities out of order. A lot of times we do things that, are, that we mean well by, but we're out of balance. And because we're out of balance, we sin even in the good that we're trying to do. And so the Bible teaches us that those weights and those sins are weaknesses that will hinder us from running the race and running it well. Think about, for example, if you were to be running a race, uh, uh, you would not want weights tied to your ankles, uh, amen, trying to win that race. Amen. I know that for me personally to lay aside my weight, I'd have to lose a lot of fat because uh, I've got natural weight, amen, and it's going to take me a lot longer to get ready for a race than some of you, amen. And and I know better than to enter into a race because I've got too much weight holding me back. Now, some of you know better than to jump in and serve God because you know the things you're doing are not right, and you know the things that you where you're supposed to be, and instead of getting it right and then getting in the race, you choose to live with your weight. You choose to live with your sin. And the Bible teaches us to lay aside those things. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Has the devil been successful in your life? Has the devil been successful in your life? You know what Satan's objective is? It's to use your hindrances and your sins to oppose you uh, from being successful in the eyes of God. To defeat your hopes and aspirations of being what God called you to be. Is he successful? Let me say this. Anything that hinders you from doing God's will, be it sin or not, needs to be laid aside. It needs to be laid aside. That's what the Bible means when it says, uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all These things shall be added into all the things that we're cumbered about and worried about in life. All the things that we stress over. Our our money, our careers, all these things that we need to feed the flesh and to survive and to live and to move on. God says, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of the rest. Amen? If you'll put me first, I'll take care of the rest. But so many people, Brother Ron, are unwilling to lay aside that heavy weight. And they think they're going to win carrying the weight, but they're not going to win. You're not going to win in life carrying your weights. You're not going to win your kids to God carrying your weights and your sins. It's not going to happen. 
You need to set an example. It's called leadership. Amen? It's called leadership. I'll go a step further. It's called servanthood leadership. You lead them by serving. You lead them by example. Amen? And, And you've got, if you want your kids to know how to lay aside weights and sins, you've got to illustrate that in your own life. You've got to show them, hey, this is how you repent. And you've got to be the one they need to hear you one day call somebody and apologize to them because you was wrong. And it would do them some good to see you humble yourself and make an apology. Because they need that example of what it looks like for an imperfect human to be willing to admit they're imperfect and they're not right and that they should have done something different. But as long as you keep pretending you're perfect, they just need to keep their mouth shut and do what you say and not as you do. And you don't own up to your weights and your sins. They will look at you as a hypocrite and lose all respect for you. We got to lay aside those weights. Put them away. Amen. I'm talking about what it means to leave it all on the field. We got to know why we're in it, but we also need to know what weaknesses we have so that we can identify them and lay them aside. Ask God, when was the last time you asked the Lord uh, to, uh, to see if there be any wicked way in you, like David did? He said, create in, within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And he prayed that God would, would, would inspect his heart to see and determine if there's any wickedness or any sin. Uh, most of us are too afraid to ask God that. Because first, we don't want to hear it. And secondly, if we, do want, want, if we do want to hear it, we're probably not willing to go through the painful process of admitting our guilt and then laying it aside. Amen? I'm talking about leaving it all on the field. There's some things people are trying to live for God doing simultaneously that's going to hinder them for do, from, 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 from fulfilling God's purpose for their life. I prayed this morning getting up, God, don't help, help me not to get in the way. God, help me not to do anything to hinder your work or your will. And Lord, help me not to miss anything. If there's something I need to be paying attention to, something I need to be involved with, Lord, don't, me, don't let me get so distracted in the busyness of ministry that I miss the whole, the most important thing. And sometimes we can weigh ourselves down with burdens and processes and, and, and tactics and methods and all this kind of stuff. And then the most important thing suffers, which is the spreading of the gospel. And, and there are many ways that we could apply this truth. But we need to identify our weaknesses and we, we need to be willing to lay them aside if we're going to leave it all on the field for Jesus. Amen. And so I want to challenge you today. Ask the Holy Spirit to see if there be anything in your heart and life that you put before Him. And then ask Him for the pathway forward and show you how to let it go. Amen? For some, letting letting go of it it might mean a a, a complete and total transformation of your lifestyle. And if so, so be it. Let God make you who he created you to be any, any, at any and all costs, no matter the blood, sweat, and tears. Amen. That's why Jesus said, count the cost. And then what did he say after he told you to count the cost? Did he say, if it, if it, if it costs too much, don't do it? No. 
He said, count the cost. Then he said, after you've counted and realized how priceless it's going to be, go ahead and take it up and follow me. He wants you going in with all eyes wide open. Full disclosure. No hidden agendas. God told you, he told the disciples from the day, day one, they hated me and they're going to hate you. And I'm not going to change that. Amen. Well, he didn't say I'm not going to change that. We might as well have. <laughs> Amen. I want you to think about this. What kind of cost have you been avoiding? What, what is it that has caused you to say, I just don't think I'm willing to do that? Count the cost. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Be willing to leave it all on the field for Jesus. Amen, church. Now, once you know your why, and once you know your weakness, I want to say lastly, you need to know that you can win. Our text again says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. Do you want to know what that word patience means? That word patience comes from the Greek word Hupomone, I hope I said that right. This is what it means. Cheerful or hopeful endurance. In other words, when you set out to serve God, you need to maintain the disposition of cheerfulness and hopefulness with full expectation that you're going to achieve all that God sent you to achieve for Him. We cannot allow the devil to discourage us to where we fall into a pit of despair and give up hope of making a difference. Amen. I know that the world is getting dark and ugly. I know that it's becoming increasingly difficult uh, to live for God. Uh, and it's becoming increasingly, uh, this world is becoming increasingly hostile towards those of us who are saved by the grace of God. Uh, but in spite of it all, understand that the Bible commands us uh, that we are to run with cheerful and hopeful endurance, knowing uh, that Jesus Christ himself is is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means the one that puts you in the race is the one that's going to enable you to finish the race. And you will be able one day to say, even as Paul the Apostle said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Amen. And God help us as a church to not get discouraged and beat down. Amen. To not give up and throw in the towel. Amen. But to continue pressing on for Jesus Christ for the Bible said that we are to look unto Jesus what do you do when you get discouraged what do you do when you feel like quitting you look to Jesus what do you do when you cry yourself to sleep in the middle of the night what do you do when you get that phone call that you never wanted to get in your entire life you look to Jesus what do you do when your friends and your family forsake you? You look to Jesus. What do you do when even preachers are quitting every week by the hundreds all across the land and around the world, church? What do you do? You look 
to Jesus because he will see you through. It wasn't until uh, uh, Peter, who was walking on the water, uh, looked away from Jesus that he began to sink. As long as you look to Jesus, you can walk on water, metaphorically speaking. God will see you through it if you'll commit to it in his name. I feel like people, maybe more than one, either they're thinking about getting out of the race or they've never got in the race. And God wants you to know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. God wants you to know that you can win. I remember when God called me to preach. Sort of argued with God a little bit. I was like, Lord, what if I mess up? And he said, you will. <laughs> Next excuse. What are you going to do with that? God knew before he even called you that you were an imperfect vessel. And he called you anyway. God don't call perfect people. He don't because they ain't none. That ain't even proper English, but it sure is good preaching. Amen. <laughs> they ain't none. There isn't any. <laughs> no good people. We're all a mess. We're all flawed. We're all sinful without Jesus. We all make mistakes. And we might as well get over ourselves and realize if anything's going to happen good for God's glory, it's only going to be because we yield to His plan and let Him take charge. Amen. And so don't worry about what other people say. You focus on Jesus because with Jesus you can win the race. In conclusion, I want to read Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or arrived, but this one thing I do, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I pray. Rest toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press, he said. That means he's pushing real hard. That means he's following hard after God. That means he's pressing the issue in his life. I don't want to live my life. I would despair at the thought that I would live, breathe, and die and never experience a move of God in my life. Whatever God's got going on, I want to be right up in the middle of it. And if there's anything I can do to influence you to get plugged in and charged up, that's what I aim to do. Amen. We are to provoke one another to love and to good works. And when God puts somebody in your life, amen, when God puts somebody in your life to influence you to go in the right direction, don't get mad at them because they might have pointed out an area of weakness that you need to work on, but hug their neck, kiss their cheek, and thank God that you have a friend that loves you enough to tell you the truth, amen. Mm. faithful are the wounds of a friend 
Nobody likes to be rebuked, but everybody needs it. Amen. If you had cancer, you went to a cancer doctor, you'd want him to tell you exactly what was going on and what all of your options of treatment were. In fact, if he did what we want, uh, what we generally speaking want preachers to do, if doctors did what preachers did, they would never mention it to you and they'd let you die in your cancer. And then there'd be lawsuits that would ensue and they would lose their practice. Mm-hmm. We, would, we should expect the preacher to do no different than your most honest doctor. <laughs> All the preacher's doing is uh, listening to the Holy Ghost and when the Holy Ghost says, I need this subject addressed, the preacher gets up and as frail as he is, as weak as he is, he stumbles and stammers along until the Holy Ghost delivers a message through his weakness. And it touches somebody's heart and it addresses a key issue in their heart where the Holy Spirit needs to perform surgery. And God doesn't cut to kill. He cuts to heal. And I have to pray, God, help me to say it in such a way that I don't slant your voice and make it sound like you're mean when you're trying to be tender. And, and a lot of times people get upset at God's tone of voice and all God's really trying to do is help you avoid danger. Have you ever been upset with somebody who raised their voice at you amen do you know that god what is preaching sometimes preaching is god raising his voice at us amen <laughs> sometimes it's god calling to our attention the error of our way because god sees the potential God knows why he put you here. God knows what the potential is and what he could do if you yielded to him. But there's all these weights and all these sins uh, that do us so easily beset us. That is, uh, uh, do us so easily surround us and prohibit us from moving forward. We're surrounded by our own weights. They're not just tied to our ankles. We got them stacked up around us like walls. God help us to get rid of all these weights and go for God and leave it all on the field for Jesus. Whatever God has spoken to you about this morning, that is what He wants you to address in your prayer today. Everybody stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, he said, do all to the glory of God. In country terms, I'd say put your heart in it. Put your heart in it. Some of us have been serving God half-heartedly. One foot in, one foot out. Non-committed. We like those non-committed roles. Those kinds that don't really require us to commit to anything. But God's looking for faithful servants. Ones that will say, you know what, I'm in the race to win it. And I'm going all out for Jesus. I'm not, when, I, when I finish my race, it can't be said of me that I didn't put my all into it. And I don't know what that means for you, but I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will bring it to your attention if you will listen to Him. As we bow our heads in prayer, let's go to God 
And if you want to make your way down the altar, you're more than welcome to do so. But let's call on God and ask Him to help us.